Welcome to YFC Now with news and encouragement from Fresno Madera Youth for Christ. Ministering to area kids for over 65 years, here is the host of YFC Now, Executive Director Ed Kazmarek. Hi, thanks again for joining the YFC Now show. This is Ed Kazmarek from the opulent YFC recording studio on 1401 Divisadero. Um, got a great show today. We are packed in with a couple of things. We are going to talk about uh, our annual golf tournament. Believe it or not, Youth for Christ is hosting the 45th annual golf classic. 45 years of a golf tournament. I think we're doing something right there. And that is happening April 26th at Fort Washington. That is a fundraiser for Youth for Christ, but it's a lot of fun. Golfers love to uh, participate in our annual tournament. We've got golfers that have been coming for 20 or 30 years to this tournament. And on April 26th, that will be at Fort Washington. Um, Be sure to check it out. If you are a golfer or if you are interested in possibly sponsoring Youth for Christ, we love to have sponsors support the tournament. That fund, those funds go straight to the Ministry of Youth for Christ, and you get a little bit of advertisement at the uh, golf tournament. Hey, it's not bad to have 120 guys and girls hear about your business uh, by supporting the Youth for Christ Golf Tournament. By the way, the tournament is supported by our hosting sponsor, Mike Dermanuel of Dermanuel Insurance, and we certainly appreciate his sponsorship. That's a big deal. So uh, again, April 26th is the golf tournament. You can see on our website at yfcnow.org. You can see the brochure. You can download it, print it out, and pass it around to your golfing friends or family members, and be sure to give us a call. Well, we'll revisit the golf tournament a little bit just for fun at the end of the program. I'll invite Norm Weens, our golf tournament director, to join us and tell us about uh, all the haps around the golf tournament. But I would like to introduce one of our fine staff members. Um, She is a chaplain at the Juvenile Hall at the Juvenile Justice Campus, and she has been with Youth for Christ for now 10 years. And I want to introduce Charlene Glass. Welcome, Charlene. Hi, Ed. Glad to have you here. And am I right, 10 years here yes. at the local chapter? Yes, it certainly has been. Of course, you also were in Modesto with Youth for Christ. Yes, for a year there. Okay. Well, we're so glad to have you on staff. It's it's Thank wonderful you. to work with you. Um, I've gotten to know your work a little more intimately because I've become a volunteer in the Juvenile Justice Campus, mm-hmm. and that's been quite a journey for me. But enough about me. I want to find out about you and your ministry. Will you give us just a little thumbnail, a little bit of background about yourself and how you got to Youth for Christ ministry? Okay. Um, For, um, gee, I I don't even know how many years. Uh, Prior to working with Youth for Christ, I was working with Teen Challenge, Mm -hmm. which is a um, rehab program most in most of the countries. Actually, I live, I worked with them overseas. Great program. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So they were in dr- drug and alcohol rehabs in most of those in your European countries and Eastern European countries, and even including Russia. And um, so I worked with them overseas. And then when I returned to the States, then I, I actually, and while I was overseas in Estonia, I worked alongside a Youth for Christ chapter mm-hmm. there. And um, that's how I became really acquainted with it. And um, so when I returned to the States, I uh, linked up with the uh, Youth for Christ in Modesto. And then when I moved here, I continued on with that. That's great. And there's still an active uh, Youth for Christ chapter in Modesto. Of course, there's also one in uh, Tulare Kings County based out of Visalia. 
Uh, we've got good stuff going on throughout the state in Youth for Christ. So thankfully, we got to uh, have you come here to Fresno. So you've been been here for many years. And your your work really started in the old juvenile hall, right? Yes, uh-huh, down on 10th Street. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, several years ago. And it was uh, considerably different there. It was a little different atmosphere and a little different makeup. And then, of course... Um, like five or five to six years ago, we moved into the new site out on American Avenue. I can't so. believe it's been that long already. Mm-hmm. It's if if you haven't seen that facility on American Avenue, um, it's just really kind of stunning. It's a big and very beautiful facility, as beautiful as a place of incarceration. It actually can be. looks like a college campus, oh, doesn't it? It, it sure does. <laughs> and I have noted, I, I took a tour before I became a volunteer, and one thing they said is that they were built for growth. Mm -hmm. And that's a sad statement on our culture. But certainly they had to build enough pods and enough units to expect population growth. And then, of course, the expected, uh, you know, uh, needs for incarcerating more and more youth through time. And um, sadly, we do see those trends, but we're, we're fighting against those trends. So, Charlene, how do you try to help and fight against that trend of kids being incarcerated what do you actually do in the juvenile hall? Okay, um, um, as a volunteer, we ha- we have volunteers, an army of volunteers, really, like thirty eight strong, that are coming in every week and providing um, um, meetings for the kids, um, Bible presentations. So the kids call it church, mm-hmm. and we um, that is their church. So every week, faithful volunteers are coming in, presenting the kids with hope, a message of hope, mm-hmm. um, the message of um, salvation through Jesus Christ, and change, an, an opportunity to change, to transform their lives. Now, these volunteers have to have a Ph.D. in Bible, right? No, not oh. hardly. And you know what is wonderful is that this army of volunteers comes from every segment of life. Mm-hmm. They're a real mixed bag. Some of them have had like experience with the kids. Some of them have come, grown up through the system. Others of them are just coming on and just have a heart for it. God has given them a heart. And I want, I must say, um, in pride I say about this army of volunteers, is they are very faithful and consistent. Mm. They have a heart for this ministry. Sure. They you really know, take these kids on. And on this show, Charlene, we often invite the listening audience to consider volunteerism, and I want to do that again. But I want to set the bar high. I want to say that Okay, true, we're not looking for Bible scholars. We're looking for caring adults. That's yes. what we're looking for. But consistency is important. Very, we, con- very. In fact, I would say it is the most important quality. And why is that? Because these kids have not had any consistency or stability in their lives. So someone who's, who says they're going to be there, it's so important that they show up when they say they're going to show up and that they, whatever they've promised, they will do. They will fulfill it because they've had a whole um, series of people in their lives, adults in their lives, who have not fulfilled their promises. Yeah. So. I think what I would want to tell someone, Charlene, as a new volunteer myself, I would want to tell people just a couple of things. Number one is when you go into the juvenile hall, these kids are just like kids you see on the street, just like kids you might see at Edwards Theater, Mm -hmm. uh, like some kids you might see at Target or whatever. It's not like it's a a different universe with bad kids. No. These are kids that have beautiful hearts and beautiful eyes when you look into their eyes and you think, man, 
that could be my kid. Mm -hmm. And they've made some very terrible decisions and choices in their life. Absolutely. But then we grow in compassion because we see that they haven't had support at home Mm -hmm. to understand how to make wise choices. Exactly. And so here they are in this dilemma. They're incarcerated. They're stuck. Yeah. Um, Tell us a little bit about the process of becoming a volunteer in the juvenile hall. Well, um, uh, there is actually a a double pronged. In other words, um, with our department, we have the they have clearance through the probation department, juvenile probation department. So that requires um, an orientation out at the facility itself, and then a TB test, a current TB, and then they do a live scan, which they offer free of charge. So those are really the only three. Um, qualities that they have to have or qualifications for um, ministry out there. Um, And it's just a matter of patience because sometimes it does take a while to clear through the system. Mm -hmm. Um, And then then they also apply through us, of course, because they're under our umbrella, which makes it very nice, really, in the juvenile hall because we've been there for so many years. We have quite a deal of credibility. Mm -hmm. And um, so then they come under our umbrella and we actually are representing Youth for Christ, not only Christ, but Youth for Christ. Sure. In the, as in the facilities. And, and we offer the service of being kind of the umbrella organization. We have the reputation and the background and the connection to getting in. Absolutely. But we also provide resources. We'll provide trainings. Uh, we'll provide uh, information about youth and about just what you need to do when you go in there so that you don't feel uh, completely thrown in. No. But there's always there's always going to be a little bit of uh, discomfort. You know, when yeah. you walk into that environment, Sure. Believe me, for the first time, when you walk behind the doors and they slam behind you, mm-hmm. and you walk in the yard with the barbed wire and the tall fences, it is eye-opening. It it makes your heart beat a little faster because sure. you realize, wow, I am inside mm-hmm. the facility. Yeah. And tell a little bit about what you see, Charlene, when you go in the facility, just about the kids and about right. the environment. Right. I think that always um, what's helped me is to realize that, um, like you said, they're just kids. They're with the same needs. I always think of it this way anyway. It helps me. They have the same needs as every one of us. They've just tried to fulfill those needs in the wrong way. So if you look at them as um, not needy necessarily, but just look at them in this, the same that 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 they're they're not unique. They're not just a different. There's not different. You know, like they're some set apart, mm-hmm. but rather they're like every young person with the same kind of needs and desires. They just don't have any clue how to meet them in a healthy way. So I I, I like to approach it that way and not that they're some kind of freaks or, sure. you know, set yeah. apart than, from the normal people sort of. Um, and, and when you approach it that way, I think it helps me anyway in, in ministering to them and, and helping them. Absolutely. Their- you know, we've been delving more and more into the issue of fatherhood. Mm-hmm. And let's quote the term father absence. Mm-hmm. And in our culture, more and more more and more frequently, fathers are absent from the family. Yes. And it's for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. Some fathers abandon their families. Some uh, are in a life of crime and they become incarcerated. Mm-hmm. And uh, other in other areas and in, in, in culturally, we're seeing that increasingly fathers are looked at as optional. Yes. Young moms will just say, well, that's that's just the daddy, but it's it has nothing to do with my future. Mm-hmm. In other words, mm-hmm. uh, the, the dad was there just for the sake of having a baby, yeah. but they never are in touch again, and it's not a big deal in, yeah. in many circles in our culture. 
So we are trying to combat that trend with a class. Why don't you tell us about the fatherhood class? Well, um, we started um, just last year with our first uh, group of crew of boys, of uh, uh, a dozen boys, and um, we just began. We received a grant through the National Fatherhood Initiative um, to teach these boys. Um, and it really, I have to backtrack for just a moment, it really came as a result of a young man um, who asked for just this sort of thing. He, um, he was used to us coming in uh, as church, but he asked, do you have anything that you could teach us on about how to be a father? So that set us on a, a search, and we learned that we could, that National Fatherhood Initiative um, made such materials available, and they actually encouraged us to apply for a grant, and we, we did get it. And so we started last year with the boys, and we were pleasantly surprised at the response. The boys have really taken to it. And um, uh, as one of the seniors at the uh, juvenile hall said to me, um, they don't listen to anything and any other kind of programming. But for this hour and a half, they're intent. They mm. want to learn how to be better dads mm. because they've had this missing, whole missing thing. And they're clueless. They don't really know how it's done. They've never seen it done before them, walked out before them. And Charlene, so this is where I've plugged in as a fatherhood volunteer. Mm -hmm. And we've just had such special times in that room with those boys. And let me tell you, again, just, just to paint the situation, some of us guys are middle age and higher, mm -hmm. older Caucasian guys, mm -hmm. 60 years old, you know, 55, 60. And we're talking to boys who are... Uh, dark-skinned kids. They're Hispanic. Yes. Uh, some are African-American. Some are white kids. Uh -huh. But these kids, you know, you might on the surface look and say, these kids have nothing in common with those men. What in the world is going on here? Yeah. But you know what? It's the Holy Spirit. Yes. Because when you look into the eyes of those boys and you share your heart with them, there's a connection. Absolutely. Talk a little bit about what you've seen there and, and how well, that is for the boys. I, it's just been a thrill for me to see... Um, uh, number one, when we had our first uh, session, crew of boys complete, we had a big completion ceremony and we had pizza and celebrated with them. And to see the mentors uh, shaking hands with those boys and hugging them, there had really bonding and connection had taken place. And that, for me, that was so pleasing. And that's when the seniors had seen this thing come happening over this 12-week period. And she was like, man, Charlene, this is great. So now um, the juvenile hall is really behind us all the way in uh, in the future, you know, completing, continuing on with this work. But that's the main thing that I have seen. And when afterwards we have the boys write, um, you know, what they what they liked about the program and so on. And, almost unanimously they wrote, these men were real before us. They didn't just come and preach, but they were real. They told us about their struggles. They told us, you know, that it's not the easiest job in the world, but that the main thing is that they hang in there, that you that you don't give up. And, and um, so that really impressed us. So now we're working on our... Uh, our third, we're just com almost completing our third session with a whole different crew of boys. And now we have actually, uh, we're adding an additional um, teachings on 
um, what we're calling ready for life. In other words, uh, life skill training, mm -hmm. domestic violence. We're adding a segment on domestic violence. So tw another additional 12 weeks that we will use with those same mm -hmm. crew of boys. And then we're going to have another start on I mean, another whole crew of boys. Mm -hmm. It's so. just amazing to see the lights come on for these boys. And it's held true that many of these boys do not have a father figure at home. Mm -hmm. I think the quote, the statistic is 9 out of 10 of incarcerated young men mm -hmm. do not have a father figure, a stable Absolutely. father figure at home. And that's a national figure. And, and we've seen it come yeah. to light when we've surveyed the boys. They've been honest and open about that. Sure. And sure enough, there's one or two boys who said they have dad at home waiting for them. And that they love their dad, but let me tell you, that is not the norm. Yeah. And so these kids have a lot of thinking to do. And when I've seen their comments, I see them rethinking what fatherhood is. Absolutely. We're changing them from the inside out about what fatherhood looks like. Yeah. And guess what? That points to our Heavenly Father. Absolutely. They start to get an idea that maybe they have the wrong picture Absolutely. of what a father should be and what, who the Heavenly Father is. And that's where you really start to see some change. Absolutely. Without question. So, Charlene, share a little bit about the girls and maybe tell a story or two about what you've seen. And you, you said you had a good week this week. Yeah. And it's not always a good week in the no, hall. No, it's not. Um, Tuesday night, um, I guess I do deal mostly, especially in the new facility, because we presently have two units of girls. So that keeps one busy. And so I only visit boys, usually in just special um, occasions. But... Um, the girls on Tuesday night, afterwards Tuesday night, one of the girls said to me, uh, are you a mandated reporter? And I said, well, yes, actually I am. And uh, I said, do you need to talk to me about something? And she said, yes. So um, afterwards, the other girls were gone, and I asked special permission to stand be stay behind. So I said, okay, tell me what's happening, not knowing what we were going into. But actually, it wasn't about a reportion of abuse. It was about her thinking about harming herself. I see. And so she wanted to talk to me about that, uh, about why um, she was, and really she has no support. A lot of these kids, if if they, maybe they have a grandmother or fortunate, if they're fortunate, if they do have a grandmother that's intact, but um, oftentimes they don't have any support. So she said um, she was turning 18 and she was going to be on her own. Mm. And she was afraid, basically, when it boiled down to... That she, she was, might harm herself. Yes. And mm -hmm. so we talked through that, and we prayed. And then yesterday, um, when I went in the unit, I caught her. That She actually got... She was going to be released uh, today, but she had an early release, and she was being released. And so I got there like 10 minutes before she left. Mm. And so, again, she said, I feel, I just feel so much better after you prayed for me last night. I'm going to be all right. So I, I gave her my number, and she's going to be getting in contact with me. This is a girl who's been chronic. She's been in and out of the juvenile mm -hmm. hall over Revolving the years. Revolving doors. Yes, sure. just over and over and over again. And then yesterday I went into the other unit, and I spoke with another girl who's been a chronic. But And again, she's turning 18, and this girl has been one who has just been out of reach. Uh, until just recently. Mm. When she came in, she was so angry, there was nobody that could touch her or help mm. her at all. But uh, yesterday, I sat down with her, and um, she just cried, and she said, I need help. I'm turning 18. I don't want to go to county. I need help. Mm. I need help. But there's all these anger issues, and um, so that's why she gets re 
you know, they pick her up again sure. because um, she has this assault charge or, or doesn't, something. Doesn't like, know how to handle her anger. She does not know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. And it just gets her in trouble over and over again. So, But she's seeking help. And it was with tears last mm-hmm. yesterday. She said, I need help. Wow. I need help. And um, so t- I told her, I said, that's that's a tremendous sign, hon, mm-hmm. because then you can seek out the help. There's help for you. Uh, and um, so I... I Yesterday was it was a great day when I left the hall. I was feeling like, you know, if if we can encourage one person, if we can just be an encourager for one person, mm-hmm. that there's hope, mm-hmm. that it's not as dark as it looks. That she said, I feel so alone, and most of us don't know what that feels like not to have any family members right. who are supportive of us. And grandmother, she's worked through. Um, grandmother has done her best, but she's tired, and this little gal has, has run her through, you know. So sure. um, what do you do when, and, you know, to feel so alone? So I had the privilege of telling her was that family members can come and go. I can come and go. All of us can, hon, but God is always there for you. He will never leave you. He will, Though you feel alone sometimes, you are never truly alone. So she did it. We had a moment of be able to listen simply because she's coming on 18 and she's afraid sure and she's all alone so well amen to that that the lord is the one who's going to see us through and that's that's the message we always deliver you know um charlene we're coming to the end of our time but i just want to um remind people that at any time they can talk to us about volunteering alongside you and yes. alongside the men and women in juvenile hall that that army of volunteers yes. that loves kids yeah. and um I want to invite people to call us at 237-4741 or to go on our website and find out more information. You know, we have not only the fatherhood class in the hall, but now a new fatherhood class for teen boys outside the hall as well. And that's meeting weekly. We'd love to tell people about that. So, Charlene, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Thank you, Ed. All right. So uh, with our last couple minutes here, I want to turn our attention back to the golf tournament I mentioned April April 26th at Fort Washington. It's a Thursday. Coming up here pretty quick, and I want to welcome uh, Norm Weens. Welcome, Norm. Hey, thanks, Ed. Norm's been on our show before talking about uh, alumni, and Norm's been around for over 30 years here at Youth for Christ. So he knows the routine, and you've been involved in the golf tournament forever as well, right, Norm? Forever. I know this is our 45th coming up, but uh, I think I was involved, uh, well, at least uh, since... uh, 19, early 1970s. Well, people now say great things about our tournament. They seem to love it. They seem to enjoy it. Why do you think it's got a great reputation? Well, I think that part of it is because you learn a few things over the years of how to do a golf tournament. And uh, certainly one of the things we want to do, and one of the biggest reasons we do the golf tournament, is to try to make sure that people get a chance to see who we are and what we do. They get a chance to meet our staff. Our staff are out there on the golf course, and they are... um, doing things to support the golfers, but they also get a chance to meet the golfers. And sometimes golfers take a couple minutes uh, aside from their game to just ask staff people, so who are you, what do you do? And they actually get firsthand uh, response from uh, the people who are actually doing ministry. So I mentioned earlier, Norm, that on our website at yfcnow.org, the brochure is up and uh, the pricing is all there and how people can sign up. Now, we can also, uh, on that brochure, both sponsors and golfers can sign up. 
and they can call us for any details. Uh, how many golfers, Norm, do we want, and uh, what's kind of a good day at the golf course? Well, last year we had 115 golfers, and uh, it was a great turnout. Um, you know, it, obviously, if you fill up the course with uh, 160 golfers or more, you know, it's really not a fun day for anybody because it golf the games take so long. But uh, we easily can handle up to 130 golfers uh, on uh, on the 26th. And I just want to rave about Fort Washington. They do just such a great job. The meal, the lunchtime is is incredible. It's inside the dining hall, and there's more than you can eat. And then the the way they serve and put out the carts, and they have everything ready to go for you. So it's a quick tournament. We don't delay. It's one of the fastest tournaments. I mean, we've been done in, what, four, four and a half hours? Sure, sure. And um, certainly we've got the golf carts all set up, and uh, it's a shotgun start. Uh, and uh, so everybody starts at the same time. Everybody finishes about at the same time. And uh, then we've got great prizes. Uh, we've got uh, actually one of the things we've added in the last few years to our golf tournament is the raffle prizes. And uh, everybody wins something, it seems like. It's a great time. Again, call us at 237-4741 and we'll tell you more or go on our website, yfcnow.org. Norm, thanks for coming in. Hey, thanks a lot, Ed. So tell your friends and family members about the golf tournament. Tell them about volunteer opportunities as well. Whether it's the golf tournament or volunteerism, however you'd like to connect, we'd love to connect with you. So give us a call. Check out yfcnow.org. God bless. Bye-bye. You've been listening to YFC Now. Contact us with your comments and questions at 237-4741. Visit us on Facebook or on the web at yfcnow.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for supporting our youth.